This is why we practice. For times like this, right? This is why we practice. Things happen. Things happen. Unexpected things happen. Well, you know, we can call them unexpected, and yet this is what life is. Life is change. Life is a series of unexpected things that keep happening. You've probably had lots of unexpected things happening on this retreat in your mind, in your body. This is just life. This is how it happens. This is why we practice. So then we we roll with whatever arises with equanimity, with kindness towards ourselves, towards each other, wishing Diana and others well, wishing all of us well. It's just all part of being human. Nothing out of the ordinary, right? Yeah, so. 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 This is why we practice. This is why we practice. your body. How are you feeling right now? It's coming up. Let's check in. What's coming up? Being aware of what's arising, what's coming up? What's coming up in this moment? Is there ease? Is there agitation, whatever's coming up, could it be met with kindness, with friendliness? Could it be allowed to be just as it is in this moment, not be pushed aside, pushed away, to be, to be made space for? This is what it's like to be human in this moment, but whatever is coming up. As I say this, and I feel into the space in the room, as I feel into our relational space on this retreat, I pick up a sense of stability, actually, in the room. I sense a sense of stability and equanimity. Do you sense it as well? Sense it? Yeah. Yeah, you guys have been practicing for a few days. Yeah, there's a sense of stability in the heart and goodwill, meeting the moment with goodwill yourself, the moment, whatever's coming up. It's life. So what I'd like to do for this, for this period today, for these reflections, I'd like to first pick up a few um, questions that came up from my talk yesterday. Some questions you uh, raised or 
and a couple of things I think had put on a post-it note and I never got to them. Time ran out before I got to them so I like to get to that. And then I like to talk a little about um, the practice that we are turning towards today, we turn towards today this morning, practicing with a neutral person, cultivating metta for the neutral person. And then I want to talk a little bit about forgiveness practice, which might have come up for some of you, and it's appropriate to, to fit it in a bit. And if it hasn't come up, it's okay, put it in your back pocket. As human beings, we'll need it eventually if we haven't. And Lamont, the celebrated um, author, says, Earth is forgiveness school. Earth is forgiveness school. Get to learn how to forgive. Forgive ourselves, forgive others, ask for forgiveness. But wait, I'm not getting to that part of the talk yet, okay? I'm not going to get settled into that, otherwise I'll move to that part. Okay, pulling back, so. So one uh, thing I wanted to start with is uh, yesterday I talked about boundaries, and I said, oh yes, there's something about boundaries and lack of boundaries and how we, the, this concept of boundaries that in psychology um, there was a lot of Concepts and a lot of teaching and teaching um, people to have healthy boundaries. I'm sure you've heard about that or practiced that, healthy boundaries, 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 etc. And yet, the idea of boundaries, it, it, sometimes it feels like there's two different practices if you're doing, um, if you are doing psychological therapy and in, in, in um, in, in uh, the practice of psychology and, and therapy, psychotherapy, it seems like boundaries are very different from Buddhist practice where the boundaries are dropping. It's about dropping of the boundaries and not impersonality and not self and no boundaries and universality. It's like, wait a minute, how do we make sense of this? The quandary, right? How do we make sense of these two words? Is there a way to to integrate them. Yes. Alright? So. so let me take a step back and first say something about the the extent of this practice that we're doing. That is actually rarely talked about. The the extension, the, the end, the, the the end um perhaps the, the final quiz of this practice is the metta practice, say. And I'll come back to the psychological boundaries in a moment, so put that on a post-it, I'll come back to it. So, in the Visuddhimagga, this teaching, it's a thousand-page manual in the Theravada tradition, Visuddhimagga, this book, translated as The Path of Purification. I brought the name up yesterday. Very thorough, just so many practices, teachings. So in, in there, 
when he talks about the practice of metta. He talks about the culmination of this practice leading to the dropping of boundaries. This is how it's put, the dropping of boundaries. And um, this is the final exam when you practice this very intensely. Don't expect it on the short retreat, so please don't expect it. But I'll, I'll also say something about the difference between expectation and aspiration again. But on a longer, you know, when one practices on a longer retreat or in a dedicated way, final quiz is this, and I read about this actually years ago, I heard about it in the Dharma talk, and I thought, wow, really? Is this possible? Is this even possible? So, the final quiz is this. In the Visuddhimagga it says, if you are together in a, um, in a carriage, in a carriage, so this is old language, right? When they would travel in a carriages from place to place, so if in a carriage, if you're in the carriage with your benefactor, your neutral person, um, and uh, your quote-unquote enemy, which we usually talk about, we teach this as the person you're having challenges with. And let me put an asterisk. Okay, I'm going to go to a footnote for a moment. Like these are ne- this, is a, this is a nested talk. Right? I'm going to unroll this loop for a moment. Hang, hang with there with me. So asterisks. Okay, click on that link. We'll open it up. Okay. So another thing to say about these concentric circles that we've been practicing, starting with, and classically starts with the self, then it goes to the benefactor someone who's been supportive to you. Then it goes to good friend. Here on this retreat, especially given how short it was, we combined benefactor and dear friend to be the easy person. Self, benefactor, dear friend. And then we go to neutral category, which went to this morning. Yes, yes. And then after the neutral category, the neutral person is the stepping stone for developing metta, for the person we're having challenges with. And I like this mouthful. I don't like to say challenging person because they're not a challenging person. They're just being themselves. In fact, they might consider you the challenging person, right? This is a person you're having challenges with. So by not labeling them as a challenging person, but a person you're having challenges with right now. Maybe you were best friends some time ago. Maybe you'll be best friends later. But right now you're having challenges with this person. The neutral category is the stepping stone for the person you're having challenges with too. Because the same way that we practiced this morning, so it's really important to stay with the neutral person. It can sometimes be... um, seductive to just go to all beings, but please stay with the neutral person. There's a reason for it. You stay with the neutral person, and then later, when you move to person you have the challenges with, you realize, wait, this person also, just like me, wants to be happy. They don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I'm going to cause harm today. Like, they're doing the best they can. It's just 
given their causes and conditions, this is what it looks like. So after you've practiced for the neutral person, cultivating metta, where the person you're having challenges with becomes easier. Because you've already done the hard work of, this person is just like me. They just want to be happy. They're an object of affection of someone else. Not condoning, not condoning the actions, not condoning the harm, but connecting with their humanity. Connecting that just like me, they're a human being. Does that make sense theoretically? Yes. And on this retreat, given that it's been so short, we decided not to bring in the person you're having challenges with. On a seven-day retreat, we do. And then that's when forgiveness usually comes in more. But I wanted to at least mention it. And there are plenty of guided meditations. If you go to audiodharma.org, where this talk will be, you can search for happy hour, challenging, You'll find plenty of guided meditations on that which can support you. So, okay, so I'm going to pop one level up. Okay, so you're back in the carriage. <laughs> the final quiz in the Visuddhi Magga. Okay, you've done this practice now. You've done it intensely for a while. You've done it for yourself, cultivating metta for yourself, cultivating metta for your benefactor. <coughs> For the neutral person, you've really stuck with them, neutral person, and for the person you've been having, having challenges with. Again, classical languages, Sudika, Maga says enemy, but that just doesn't feel appropriate. Person you've been having challenges with, just the number one person on your list. Okay. So the final quiz is this, the Visuddhi Maga. Yeah, you're in. The bandits come, stop the carriage, they get you all out, and they ask you, whom are you going to give up? One of you needs to be given up, and the rest of you are going to travel. Without having done this practice, if, you know, you think, like, of course, the person I'm having challenges with, like, if that's the only, you know, I'm going to give them up and everybody else, I'm going to save myself and my, you know, yeah, maybe neutral, I don't know, okay, um, I don't really know them, oh, my benefactor, no, I'm going to keep them. Like, it's like that's how the heart tends to operate, right? So the final quiz is, apparently the answer is that, or the answer in, in the book is, at the time when you truly, truly, honestly, you keep feeling, can I give this person up? And you can't, you can't give, there's so much metta, there's so much love, there's so much care cultivated for everyone equally, equally. You can't even give you up. Because the level of care you've developed for yourself is equal to your benefactor, to your neutral person. The person you're having challenges with, you can't give yourself up. You can't give anyone up. The point that you really there is no difference in your heart between any of these beings. That's the culmination of this practice. And that's called the dropping of the bond boundaries building back, dropping out the boundaries. And as I said, I remember hearing about this years and years ago in the Dharma talk. Wow, that's not, that's not like a tall order. And, uh, and 
and I didn't know if that was possible. Well, maybe Sukhimanko says it's possible, so it should be. And um, so after the one-month retreat, I sat, and I thought, okay, I think I'm ready now. I think I'm, maybe I'm ready now. Let's, let's see. Let's, let's try this final course. And truly, really at that point, I kept bringing this feeling like, can I give this person, like if I really have to, if they're asking, okay, you know, somebody's got to go, like, just like otherwise you all go or something, I don't know. Um, like, there was no difference in my heart. No one, no one was loved more or less than anyone else. There was a dropping out the boundaries of these categories. So, with the dropping of the boundaries, so how does that work with this idea of boundary setting? So it's a, actually, it's a brilliant, very powerful work, a powerful way that the boundaries are, quote-unquote, dropping of the boundaries leads to a healthy sense of self or self-protection. So... Setting of the boundaries is usually so that we don't get hurt, right? We don't, we don't become a wet noodle, oh, walk over me, I'm compassionate, I'm kind, whatever you say. That's not the idea here. That's not the goal of this practice at all. Through metta, through love for ourselves, a sense of not just gentle, tender love, tender gentle compassion. I'm going to use them synonymously for a moment, even though they are different in the ways that I mentioned yesterday. Compassion is metta plus suffering. So it's not just a tender care that arises, but also fierce love that arises, because we love ourselves so much. We love the other person so much that we can't let them treat us in a particular way. We can't let them treat us in a particular way for our sake, in a, in a poor way, disrespectful way, but also for their own sake, for the sake of their karma, their sake of how who they're becoming, who they're being. But it's out of love. It's not out of hatred. It's not out of, oh, you're out. Boundaries. I'm going to create boundaries and keep you out. It's a little different. It's more like the way that I experience it. It's like a uh, force shield of love. It's a force shield of love around me. And if there is inappropriate behavior, it's going to meet that force shield of love. No, this is not appropriate for my sake, for your sake. So it's more a force shield of love instead of a wall. The boundary brings up a wall, even on that side, me on this side. So it's a different conception, and it's aligned with this dropping of the boundary, dropping of the walls, right? But it's out of care, it's out of love, it's not out of hatred. Does this make sense? Pause, yes? It's very important distinction. And that also relates to this concept, this, this, you know, in wisdom practice, especially nowadays, there are such a um, elevation without really the preparation or the preparation and without the, um, 
really the setup. Is that there's an elevation of the teachings of not self. There's a teach elevation of non-dual teachings, elevation of emptiness. Like, oh yes, not self. You need to get rid of yourself in order to be rid of your problems. Kind of like elevating that without the preparation. But actually, you need to know. You really need to get to know and love the self that is you before you can let go of it. You can't let go of yourself before you've completely known the self and loved the self, filled the cup of this being who is you with love, appreciation, acceptance, safety, before its grasp, its its wanting, its 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 clinging can just ease up. You can't squash it because if you try to squash it before you've known it, known yourself and loved yourself, it doesn't work. That's spiritual bypass. That is spiritual bypass. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. again this difference between aspiration and expectation here. I mentioned it yesterday and one of you brought it up again. So if one person brought it up, it might be in the minds of other people too. Can you repeat what's the difference between expectation and aspiration? So there's this sense of if we have an expectation for say, loving ourselves and expectation for awakening, an expectation for deep states of settledness, expectation versus aspiration. So expectation, the mind gets closed, gets set, gets tight. I expect that on this retreat I'm going to achieve X, Y, Z. This is what's going to happen. Expectation, expectation. It's tight, it gets the heart tight, it gets the mind tight. And we get clingy, we get really clingy. And we start to suffer actually more because of the practice, instead of finding freedom, which is the ultimate goal. Whereas aspiration, aspiration just the way actually the word is, we aspire, inspires us, it lifts us up. Instead of getting us tight, it inspires us. Aspiration... I have an inspiration to wake up. I'm inspired to love myself more. It's an inspiration I have, not an expectation. Feel the difference of the words in your body. Actually, let's try it together. Feel the expectation. Like, it feels kind of tight. I expect. This is my expectation. The mind gets tight. <sighs> Let it go. Now drop in the word aspiration. I'm inspired by this teaching. I'm inspired. I'm uplifted. Do you see how it feels differently in your body? Yes? No? Yes? No? Give me a signal. Yes? I'm getting balance. Yes? Great. That's it. Let that be your guide. Let that be your guide. I also want to talk about um, something that 
you know, you have brought up, and, and you haven't brought up, you probably have experienced. And that is, um, when we practice metta, it's not uncommon for discursive thought to arise. Have you noticed that, anyone? When you're thinking about your the person you're having metaphor or yourself and then you start to plan and think and remember the last time you were with them like oh yeah that was nice wait a minute I'm just practicing metta and you come back and you start again it's very common this is a part of metta practice this is it's part of it so you get to befriend yourself again and again befriend your mind not get aversive become friendly with the aversion, it's like, oh, you're pretty bad meditation. It's okay, sweetheart. This is just the way this practice goes. Come back, come back, come back. It happens to everyone. It's okay. It's okay. Really want to normalize that. So another thing I wanted to pick up from yesterday, um, as I mentioned, the the different Brahma Viharas, the four different Brahma Viharas, the heavenly abodes of the heart, metta, loving-kindness, karuna, compassion, mudita, vicarious joy, and upekka, equanimity. And I mentioned that empathic distress, sympathetic distress is not compassion. It's when we fall into the waves of sorrow and grief with another being or may could it be our, ourselves there's not enough equanimity there's not enough goodwill to hold it to bring stability so often that grief that that um that version of grief I, I don't like to use the word grief but let's call it um empathic distress or overwhelm that's a better word overwhelm that's that's known as what's masquerades as compassion or in the classical language, it's the near enemy. It's what, like it's near to it, but it's not the right things. Like, oh yeah, it's so close. It feels like I'm having compassion, but actually I'm overwhelmed. So the masquerader, I prefer masquerader, but you might have heard near enemy. There's another very important masquerader that I wanted to make sure I mention. And that's pity. That's a sense of pity. Pity is not compassion. Pity is this comparative sense of, oh, poor you, poor you, you're having, oh, you're suffering in this way. That would never happen to me. I'm above and beyond this. It's kind of less than the comparing, whereas compassion is, oh, dear, this could be me. This can't be me. In the future, it has been me. Common humanity, just like me, I could be suffering in this way. I could be born as you. You could have been born as me. It is so random who we end up being. None of us. Any of you, did, did any of you get a menu of choices before you were born? Yeah. Well, do you want to be born in this country? You want to choose your parents? This is going to be your body. This is, these are going to be your challenges. It's going to be your gift. Gifts. Like, anyone got a menu? Like, I, I think. Oh, okay. All right. Here it is. It's so random, human beings, fellow human beings. 
Isn't it wild? And we just take it all so personally. This is me. Like, it could be so random. I could be born as you, you, you. You could be born as just so random. It's pretty wild. This being human is so mysterious when you really pause and take a bigger view of life. So wild. So wild. So pity. It's not compassion. It's comparative. It's not just like me. I could be me. I could be you. I am you. You are me. Dropping you of the boundaries, remember? Dropping you of the boundaries. It can happen. It can really happen in practice. And it can happen not just practicing a long retreat, but it can happen in ways that can just show up for you. In the moments of grace. Oh yeah, we're, we're not so different. We're not so different at all. Just like me. So I want to turn now and talk a little more about this just like me, because the just like me can actually work in two ways. The way we entered it this morning and we used it was this other being wants to be happy, this neutral being who's a stand-in for all of humanity is a human being just like me. So as I want to be happy, they want to be happy. There's also another way that this this common humanity perspective can be profound. And that is when we are beating ourselves up. Like, oh, I made a mistake, that was was terrible. Or, you know, there's lack of self-meta or self-compassion. That's when just like me or just like anyone else comes in handy. Or just like anybody else in this world. I'm a human, I make mistakes. I'm doing the best I can like everyone else. I just want to be happy. Just like everyone else. I deserve love. I do, just because I exist, I deserve love. I deserve care. So, there are two ways. It's just like just like dot dot dot. Just like them. I'm just like anybody else. I'm not so different. No better, no worse. There's this conceit of better than, worse than. Just like anyone a complex inner life. I want to be happy. I deserve love and care. I make mistakes. And just like me, everybody else. So there's two ways it can work. And um, I want to share a poem with you. This poem is called The poem is by Fred Lamont, L-A-M-O-T-T-E, and the name of the poem is My Ancestry DNA Results Came In. For any of you who've done the Ancestry DNA Results, 
my ancestry DNA results came in, just as I expected. My great great grandfather was a monarch butterfly. Much of who I am is still wriggling under a stone. I am part larva, but part hummingbird too. There is dinosaur tar in my bone marrow. My golden hair sprang out of a meadow in Palestine. Genghis Khan is my fourth cousin, but I didn't get his dimples. My loins are loaded with banyan seeds from Sri Lanka, but I descended from Ravana, not Ram. My uncle is a mastodon. There are traces of white people in my saliva. 3.7 billion years ago, I swirled in golden dust, dreaming of a plant overgrown with lingams and yonis. More recently, I would say 660,000 BC, more recently, say 60,000 BC, I walked on hairy paws across a land bridge, joining Sweden to Botswana. I am the bastard of the sun and moon. I can no longer hide my heritage of raindrops and cougar scat. I am made of your grandmother's tears. You conquered rival tribesmen of your own color, chained them together, marched them naked to the coast and sold them to colonials from Savannah. I was that brother you sold. I was the slave trader. I was that brother you sold. I was the slave trader. I was the chain. Admit it, you have wings, vast and golden, like mine, like mine. You have sweat, black and salty, like mine, like mine. You have secret, silently singing in your blood, like mine, like mine. Don't pretend that Earth is not one family. Don't pretend we never hung from the same branch. Don't pretend we don't ripen on each other's breath. Don't pretend we didn't come here to forgive. Yeah. We're all related. Siblings. Don't pretend we didn't come here to forget. So, forgiveness, this practice of forgiveness. So, it is rare to go through life without any regrets. And, 
forgiveness practice has different dimensions. There is asking for forgiveness from others, even if they might not be in the world anymore, but doing our own work of asking for forgiveness. There's offering forgiveness to others. We often think of forgiveness, that's where our minds go first, offering forgiveness to others, or not being able to forgive someone who's done done something wrong, or who's harmed us, someone who's harmed us. So there's that direction of it, offering forgiveness. Maybe I'll actually stay there for a moment. So with the process, with the practice of forgiveness, First of all, forgiveness is not, there's no should in forgiveness. You don't have to be a good Buddhist and you have to forgive. It just, no. We work through forgiveness on any level available, as much as is available at a given time. It can't be pushed, it can't be forced. It's helpful not to try to push forgiveness, but again, incline your mind towards the willingness. May I be ready? May I forgive? May I be ready at some point to forgive? And the most important aspect of forgiveness is we do not forgive others who have caused us harm because they deserve it, or because they ask for it, or none of that. They may never ask for it, they may not even know how much they've harmed us. We offer forgiveness to others for our own sake, for the freedom of our own heart, so that we are not in the prison of resentment, hatred, Because when you lift, it's said in, in Buddhist teachings, when anger is like lifting a hot coal to throw at someone else, who's the person who's getting hurt lifting up the hot coal? You are. They're living their lives, they might not even know that you're stewing in anger and resentment and enmity. So, forgiveness, really, we offer forgiveness for the freedom of our own heart, for our own well-being, being kind. We offer forgiveness so that we live with more freedom. Remember the word freedom? Freedom, it's about freedom. And, again, very important, we don't try to push it, we don't try to make it happen, we just incline the mind as much as it's available, as much as it's available. And also, we don't condone the harm. We don't condone the harm. We don't just whitewash it or push it under the carpet. But there's a difference between the freedom of our heart so that we're not in that fire we're not churning in that hatred. We might still have the force shield, right? The force shield of metta to 
to protect ourselves from future harm from this person, from this being. But we offer the forgiveness as much as we can in order for the freedom of our own heart. So that we're not churning, we're not hurting, we're not continuing to hurt ourselves. It is said that forgiveness is giving up hope for a better past. We can't redo the past. So again, it's it's a practice. Forgiveness also, just like cultivating metta, it's a practice. And often, actually, the hardest person to forgive isn't someone else, but it's ourselves. Sometimes we have the hardest time forgiving ourselves for something we feel we have done. We have harmed someone else or we have harmed ourselves. That could be the hardest sometimes to offer ourselves forgiveness. So, there are three dimensions, there are actually four, these four aspects. So one is offering, uh, asking for forgiveness. So I'll share some um, phrases, and I'll post actually the phrases downstairs, so you can either write them down, or maybe tomorrow as you get back your uh, phone, you can take a photo of it. But not today, please. Only tomorrow after the closing circle. After 1 o'clock, you're welcome. After 12 o'clock, you're welcome to take a photo. So this one dimension, one direction, is in any way that I have harmed you, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action. I ask for your forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment. So asking for forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. And then offering forgiveness in any way that I have been harmed by you, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action, I offer you forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment. So offer. And then this other dimension is the one, the relationship to ourselves. In any way that I have harmed myself, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action, I offer myself forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment. So notice in these constructions, um, in any way that I have harmed myself, in any way, knowingly or unknowingly, sometimes we cause harm knowingly, Sometimes it's unknowing, so including everything by thought, word, and action. Sometimes we harm ourselves. Remember the first phrase of, may you be safe, may I be safe from inner and outer harm? The inner harm is how we often cause ourselves harm. Through, so through thought, through word, and sometimes it could be words that we use for ourselves. Oh, you're stupid. Oh, ouch, ouch. You're terrible or action, or we do, we, we act in ways that harm ourselves. So in thought, word, or action, I offer myself forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment. It doesn't say, I forgive myself, period. It's like, as much as is possible. 
just a teeny weeny little bit, maybe it's like a 1%, 0.5%, as much as is possible. And then there's this fourth way, actually, and this is due to the teacher Larry Yang. I like his uh, construction. So it's a way of relating, it's, it's a way of forgiving causes and conditions. Causes I forgive as much as possible the causes and conditions of the world the way they have been. So I read it in any way that I have been unable to be with and respond skillfully to the pain and suffering of our world, my own pain and that of others. May I come to accept pain, suffering, confusion and ignorance to be part of the journey, my own journey, and the journey of others. I offer forgiveness for the way that things are and have been as much as is possible in this moment. I love this. May I come to accept pain, suffering, confusion, and ignorance to be part of the journey my own journey and the journey of others. I offer forgiveness for the way that things are and have been as much as is possible in this moment. This is such a vast view of life, of being, of offering forgiveness to the causes and conditions above and beyond our responsibility. We often take so much responsibility on our shoulders. It's my fault. Well, things were put in place way before I arrived on this planet, way before causes, conditions, cultural movements, political movements, familial lines, genetic, this, that, wow, 3.7 billion years ago, a long time, yet, yet we take it up all on our shoulders, it's my fault. There's a lot more to say, and I've given hour-long talks, but I just wanted to bring that in because some of you brought this in to the practice discussion, so it feels appropriate to just bring a mention of it in at least in some resources. And also, um, so as I will be posting these forgiveness phrases downstairs, I also will post... Um, possible phrases, alternative phrases for the Brahma-Vihara practice. So there are lots of phrases here, alternatives for metta practice, for karuna compassion practice, for mudita and for upeka, sympathetic joy and equanimity. And you can again look and see if there might be one or two that really jive for you. Um, or of course you can take a photo of the whole thing. This resource will be available. And you know, as we practiced equanimity, when was it? Yesterday? It was like such a long time ago. This retreat has been, somebody said, short but mighty today. It's short and mighty. Yeah. I care for you but cannot keep you from suffering. 
I wish you happiness but cannot make your choices for you. May I accept things as they are. May I accept this just as it is. And whether I understand it or not, things are unfolding according to a lawful nature. Things are just as they are right now. Or simply, it is what it is. It is what it is. So with that, let's just sit together in silence for a moment and let the words settle. just as I wish myself to be well. I wish it for others, just as I wish them to be well. I wish it for me, this being who is me. Not separate, not different, not better, not worse. Part of this large and very 